1: Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by Sup China. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast.
2: And I'm Ada Shen in Paris.
1: First, the news. Stock markets reacted positively after U.S. President Donald Trump said last week he'd consider an interim trade deal with China, despite his preference for a permanent one, as officials in the world's two largest economies continue to seek a solution to the ongoing trade war. His comments echoed earlier reports that Trump's advisors have discussed postponing or even abolishing sub-tariffs on Chinese goods as part of a limited trade agreement in exchange for Chinese commitments on intellectual property and agricultural purchases. After several escalations in the trade war that has taken a toll on bilateral trade and roiled the global economy, both sides are telegraphing their goodwill ahead of upcoming negotiations in Washington in early October. The Chinese government said it will support companies in purchasing a certain amount of U.S. soybeans, pork, and other agricultural products, and also exempt those products from tariffs, state news agency Xinhua reported.
2: Chinese auto sales fell for the 14th time in 15 months, extending what's already been a historically prolonged slump in the world's largest car market. Sales of sedans, SUVs, minivans, and multipurpose vehicles in August fell 10 percent from a year earlier, the China Passenger Car Association said last week. Automakers reeling from the industry's longest downturn in three decades continue to face headwinds as economic growth slows and trade tensions with the U.S. persist. To help stimulate demand, China has rolled out a series of supportive measures to encourage consumption, the latest coming last month when the government issued guidelines to loosen car purchase restrictions.
1: European brewer AB InBev said it has resuscitated its application to list its Asia unit in Hong Kong two months after pulling out of its previous plan. The Belgium-based parent company said it has resumed the process for listing a minority stake of its Asia-Pacific subsidiary, Budweiser Brewing Company APAC, on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. But no assurance can be given that this transaction will be completed and the decision to proceed will depend on a number of factors and prevailing market conditions. Sources familiar with the matter told Caixin that the IPO is expected to take place this month, with investors able to begin placing share orders as soon as next week. AB InBev, the world's biggest brewery, has planned to raise as much as $8.6 billion in July in order to repay its debts from an aggressive expansion, but later the same month decided to suspend the plan after receiving a cool response from the market.
2: The London Stock Exchange Group has rejected a takeover proposal from Asian rival Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing, saying the bid has fundamental flaws. The board of the British Bourse, which is working on its own deal to buy data provider Refinitiv, said HKX's approach had problems in its strategy, deliverability, form of consideration and value. HKX intends to continue its pursuit of the deal, according to financial news. The firm previously said that its takeover would only happen if the LSC dropped its combination with Refinitiv, and that it could go hostile if the business resisted its plans to build an Anglo-Asian markets giant.
1: China's central bank has appointed Mu Changchun, a deputy director of its payment and settlement department, as the new head of its Digital Currency Research Institute. The move is widely interpreted as another sign that the People's Bank of China is accelerating the release of its own digital currency. Mu said last month that the central bank will soon release a digital currency of its own, the fruit of five years of research and development. Mu has been quite outspoken recently. In July, he said in a Caixin commentary that Facebook's Libra should be supervised by central banks. Last week, he started a series of online audio open classes to explain the PBOC's digital currency and electronic payment project.
2: China's premium liquor brand Guizhou Maotai is turning to gene-sequenced microbes in its pursuit of the next lip-smacking tipple. On Wednesday, the world's most valuable distiller formally formed a long-term strategic partnership with China's genome sequencing giant BGI Group, according to an official release. Details of the tie-up remain vague, but Maltai chairman Li Baofeng said the establishment of a research platform for microbes which are used in the fermentation of alcoholic drinks could benefit both Maltai and the wider liquor industry. Li hinted that the partnership will focus on the long-term applications of microbiology to alcohol production.
1: From quiet beaches in Bali to empty rooms in Hanoi's hotels, pangs from China's economic malaise and weakening yuan are being felt across Southeast Asia's vacation belt. A boom in Chinese outbound travel in recent years that stoked tourism across Southeast Asia is now in reverse gear. The abrupt decline of Chinese travelers is becoming a painful lesson for nations such as Thailand and Indonesia that had become overly dependent on Asia's top economy. The slump is expected to continue in 2020 if the trade war continues to weigh down the Chinese economy, experts said.
2: It's supposed to be the happiest place on Earth, but a longtime ban on outside food has left some visitors to Shanghai Disney Resort with a sour taste in the mouth. Now, the global entertainment giant has bowed to pressure from foodies by letting them bring their own items into the park. But it's not just any food that can enter the premises, according to the resort, which has issued guidelines on what is and what isn't permissible. The move comes days after the company said it would relax its years-long ban that drew accusations of discrimination from local Chinese customers and resulted in a lawsuit. The new rules permit most types of food and beverages, but ban a number of fiddly, messy, and pungent forms of nourishment, including instant noodles, Meals that require heating by the user, watermelon, durian, and fermented tofu.
1: Thanks, Ada. Let's turn now to my partner producer, Tanner Brown, who heads up the breaking news team at Saishin Global, to talk about a story he's looking at this week. Hey, Tanner. Hey, Kaiser. So what you got for us this week?
3: Yeah, so um, last week we we talked about dengue fever and how there had been an outbreak in Nanchang in sort of uh, central eastern China. Uh, which was a little bit surprising because it had thought to have been eradicated or there just were very, very few cases. Um, And it turns out it seems like some travelers from Thailand had brought it back, dinky fever, which isn't normally deadly but is a pretty worrisome condition to get. So this week we wanted to follow up and talk about some of the science going on in China to control mosquito populations and to reduce the diseases that they spread. This uh, particular story focuses on a sort of uh, mosquito factory that produces 10 million mosquitoes every week in uh, Guangzhou on an island just off Guangzhou. But they're sort of re-engineered mosquitoes, so when they're released into the wild, they basically destroy their own population, thus eradicating themselves. So this is the goal of the re-engineering of these mosquitoes, and I'll, I'll explain how scientists are trying to do this. And I should mention that the researchers have published their results in Nature, so they're being peer-reviewed work that we're, we're talking about here. But anyway, so uh, mosquitoes that cause malaria, dengue, uh, if you recall Zika virus from a couple years ago, the mosquitoes, you know, this factoid that you'll hear Bill, Bill Gates say is the, the deadliest animal. It's not a shark or a tiger or anything. So there's a lot of effort being put towards this, especially in the hot and humid places where they live, like uh, southern China.
1: So Tanner, what is actually involved in this bioengineering then?
3: Well, it's actually fascinating. So what they've done is they uh, breed a particularly dangerous mosquito. It's the Asian tiger mosquito, which is known to, to spread dengue fever. And they first take male mosquitoes grown in the factory and they infect them with a bacterium. Um, and it makes these male mosquitoes less capable of reproduction. So the male mosquitoes are then released into the wild, they mate with females, and then the eggs that the females lay are sterile, and the life cycle of these mosquitoes ends.
1: And has this worked so far? Are we seeing any significant reductions in mosquito populations?
3: Yes. Results are extremely positive. In one case... On this island or designated sites near Guangzhou, the Asian tiger populations, the Asian tiger mosquito populations dropped by up to 94%. So I think progress will take a little bit more time, but they seem to have unlocked the key after years and years and years of trying to re-engineer these mosquitoes to either be unable to transmit the virus, and there are other methods, and then they finally settled on ending their life cycle in the method that I just described.
1: So so Tanner, tell us a little more about the prevalence of these diseases and maybe what the prognosis is for actually tackling them and and maybe what the prospects are uh, for a commercial future for this technology.
3: Well, the head of the research lab in Guangzhou told us that he was extremely confident in commercialization of of his approach and behind the tiny mosquitoes is is really a vast market. So today there's a bottleneck emerging in the industry for chemical insecticides due to drug resistance and 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 calls for environmental protection. So they need a new method. And so this technology for biological control is receiving more and more attention, and um, the team that that, I, that I'm mentioning in Guangzhou is close to going going on to a commercial track with their product. But that being said, mosquitoes obviously remain a huge burden. It's a tough problem to tackle, and with climate change, their environments are changing, and they're not necessarily being found in the same areas they were, and they're possibly in locations where people are unused to coping with those diseases and those outbreaks. But in general, results from the studies are good and you're seeing a little bit more interest from the broader commercial world. I think um, Alphabet, Google's parent company, is getting involved in mosquito control using biological methods for mosquito control. A group at Oxford Insect Technologies and uh, the World Mosquito Program are all doing various things in this so-called biological uh, mosquito control. So um, I'd say we're, we may be reaching an inflection point where this super, super, super deadly animal would be taken uh, under control.
1: Thanks, Tanner, and we will talk to you again soon.
3: Thank you, Kaiser. And
1: that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is powered by Sup China and is produced by Kaiser Guo and Tanner Brown with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Thanks, of course, to Ada Shen. Special thanks to Li Xin of Tyson Global and to Spring and Autumn and Wu Fei for the music. Be sure to check out all the other shows about contemporary China in the expanding Sinica Network. And be sure to follow the news from China every day at China. Subscribe to our newsletter at SupChina.com. Take care.